Holy Gospel according to Luke. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later the judge said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming to me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, God will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So uh, I call this poem, Old to a Three-and-a-Half-Year-Old. Mom, Mom, Mommy, Mom, 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 Mother, Mom, Mommy, 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 Mother, Mom. Now, some of us who have watched Family Guy know kind of where that poem comes from. But, you know, that, isn't that kind of what it's like to talk to a three-and-a-half-year-old? You know, and I remember doing this, and sometimes my brother and I would collude because we'd want some toy together. Usually at that point in uh, the mid-80s, it was a G.I. Joe or Transformer, and probably at least Transformers have come back a little bit thanks to Michael Bay and his movies. But, uh, you know, we, we as children used to bug our parents, and I know none of you kids in here do that, but, you know, trust me, when we were kids, this is the way we used to behave. And we were absolutely convinced at least with mom, that if we would bug her enough that we would get what we wanted, because sometimes we were right. Sometimes we would bug her and bug her and bug her and bug her and she'd give in. Now, dad was a little bit different story because he got about three times with dad before he said, are you going to start crying? Because if so, I'll give you something to cry about. And if not, then you will. You know, so some of us grew up with that style of discipline too, right? And, you know, whatever... Whatever it was, though, we we were just absolutely convinced that if we said it loud enough, if we said it often enough, if if we said it with enough urgency and enough passion that certainly our parents were going to understand why it is that we need the, the green slime that's sitting there on the toy shelf that looks so good and we promise we won't put it into the carpet, right? Now... Some of this bugging and some of this kind of complaining and, the, and especially the idea of if I say it loud enough and often enough and, and if I say it emphatically enough, you know, reminds me a little bit of the fact, and y'all may not have noticed that there's an election going on this season, but it reminds me about how some of our candidates act. Now, under other circumstances, I might say that, you know, the election is the elephant in the room, but that might be a little too much on the nose in this election and I might make a donkey of myself. So let's just leave it to say that both parties have a real opportunity to, to do both of these things, and they take advantage of it a lot. And I don't care where you are in the political spectrum. You know, we, we hear our candidates, and I think this year all of us probably are a little bit disappointed to see the way they behave. 
we're a little bit disappointed that out of all the people who are in this nation, or at least maybe this is just me projecting this onto you, and if it is, then I'm certain your candidate is perfect and hasn't ever done anything wrong, and it's okay. But, you know, out of all the people in this nation, these are the two people that we came up with to run for president? And, and right now, I guarantee there's at least one person in here saying, well, the pastor has said the word politics and mentioned president and mentioned election and pastors shouldn't do that. And you're right as long as I don't, as long if I'm endorsing a candidate. But I am not. I don't care who you vote for. Well, I do care. But I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. But I am here to say that what we hear in all three lessons today is a very important message that we may not necessarily be able to figure out who's right and who's wrong, but God has an opinion about what is right and what is wrong. And church plays an important factor in that, and faith plays an important factor in that. Whether the candidates mention it or not, whether the news mentions it or not, no matter what happens, we remain a nation in which faith is important for the way we form our values. And as people of faith, as people who follow a king, you don't get much more political than a king because a king tells you things that you are supposed to do. A king has an opinion on the way the, w- the world should work. The king tells you how things should operate. The king tells you how to spend your money. The king, and that, isn't that the greatest trespass in our society for someone to tell you where you should spend your money? You know, the king tells you how you should treat people. And as we look throughout the Bible, through the witness of Scripture, we see that God talks to us about all of these things. And the Bible may not be partisan, but in that sense of the Bible talking about how it is that we as God's people are called to live, it certainly is political. And we hear in 2 Timothy today something that I think rings true for a lot of us, you know, that people will get each years and they will no longer stand for sound doctrine, but they'll seek the things that make them happy. You know, and in, in other congregations, there, there are people who want to come to church because it makes them feel good. And they say, Pastor, don't tell me anything that challenges me. Tell me the thing that makes me happy so I can get my weekly dose of church and I can feel who, good about who I am and feel good about what I'm doing so that I can go on about my life and not feel very challenged. Well, when we worship a king, the mandate of the king is what drives us to do those things. The mandate of the king is what drives us to preach, what drives us to teach. And I don't know how how y'all work in your faith, but I find that Sunday after Sunday, the gospel challenges me, and the gospel convicts me, And the gospel forces me to sit in my seat uncomfortably because I recognize that what I want is what I want. And too many times, what I want is not necessarily what God wants. Because as someone who has always had a problem with authority, and I come by it honestly, dad's like this too. You know, you get, you want to, you want to hear somebody complain about the government. Dad is an expert at that. And part of it's because the government has authority and he doesn't like authority. And so I I come by that honestly. But I recognize and I rejoice in the fact that what I learn through my faith in church by hearing the gospel read and preached and taught 
and how I see the gospel lived out by the faithful people I see every day of my life and week in and week out in church, that it's not about what I want. And sometimes that's frustrating because let's face it, there are some things I want an awful lot. There are some things I really would like. It would be really nice to pay down our house a little bit so that we could have a little more disposable income. I really want that. I guess I have some control over that. But the bank doesn't care what I want. You know, I, I really want to, to be able to have the eyes that I had when I was 18 years old. I had 20-20 vision and actually didn't have to get glasses until I was 36. You know, I would love to be able to see like I did when I was 35. I don't get what I want. You know, and those are, those are some kind of fun examples. But then there's the, uh, there's the harder examples. You know, I, I would love to be able to, to say whatever's on my mind and not worry about hurting or offending anyone and just have them agree with it. Wouldn't that be nice if the world just agreed with me, right? I know, I know y'all are agreeing with me right now that if I just got what I wanted, the world would be at a, a better place, right? Maybe not. Or how about I would love to be able to, to say whatever I want to my wife and she'd never get mad at me no matter how dumb it is. And trust me, I am capable of saying some dumb things to my wife. And she gets rightfully angry. You know, I, I would love to tell her to calm down and actually work and not make her matter, right? I, I know that some in here have made that mistake. I can hear it. You know, I'd, I'd love to be able to, to control the traffic so that the people in the left lane would be driving at the speed that I'd like to be driving at and not driving 55 in a 70-mile-an-hour zone. Lots of things that I want. And, and we all have those, have those things in our lives that, you know, we, we can think about the ways we want to control things, and it's kind of funny. And we can think about the ways that we want to have our own way, and it's kind of funny. But also those things that are broken parts of us. It's about not just having our own way, but trying to make other people do the things we want to. Or, even, even more pointedly, where God tells us to do something and we do the opposite. You know, we, we hear God and the values that God espouses in the gospel today. The, the value of prayer, right? God talks about, or in the parable today, Jesus talks about the widow who prays and prays and prays, which is why I started off with that poem that I'm sure you're all going to quote later and will be recorded in a great tome of poetry for all the ages to enjoy, you know, because it reminds us the value of prayer. But what happens when we've prayed and we've prayed and we've prayed and we feel like we still don't have justice? We still don't have healing. We still don't have those things that our hearts yearn for and long for and hope for and crave and desire. And we feel like God isn't hearing us. Where, where is God's justice then? when what we feel is that we want to give up on the very idea of prayer, on the very idea of faith, on the very idea that what we say or do has any bearing on what God does anyway. You know, I, I know that I'm not the only one in here who's ever felt that in my life. Or when we've given someone we care about chance after chance after chance after chance and they blow it, and they blow it, and they blow it, and they blow it. And we hear the scripture tell us that we are called to forgive people time and time again. And we don't know what to do with that when love causes us pain and love breaks our hearts. 
And sometimes the loving thing to do is to disengage. You know, how, how do we deal with it when that happens? When that shakes our faith? You know, or, or when someone we care about is sick and dies? You know, my, my latest example, and, you know, I guess in the grand scheme of things, you know, a, a dog isn't like losing a spouse or a child, but, man, I tell you what, when my dog died this summer... I cried like I haven't cried in years. I mean, it wasn't even like, oh, boo-hoo, suck that tear back. It was ugly crying. You know, it was, the, it was the, the wrenched up face and the heaving sobs. And I didn't think I was capable of doing that anymore. You know, what? and one of the things that, that it's caused me to think, and now I'm 39, about to turn 40, and so I'm doing all this, who am I, mortality is real, and death is coming, and it means for me too. You know, all that good stuff that you do as you approach 40, and you all have this to look forward to, congratulations. Um, you know, and, and so I'm dealing with that anyway, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I'm crying like this about my dog, you know, what is it that I, that I would ever do if I lost my wife? You know, and, and struggling with the utter unfairness of the fact that a good marriage, that, that you live your whole life long, the hope is to end in heartbreak. Try that one on for size, right? Where, where is justice in this? Where is justice in a world that has the resources for everybody to eat and everybody has shelter, but people refuse to do that? Where is justice in a world where we could probably cure just about every low-level disease out there? And yet we're content to let some people be sick because they don't have money. Where is justice? And where is the righteousness of God in the midst of this? And that's where the first lesson today becomes so poignant for me and becomes one of those texts that I go back to year after year and month after month and, in some, and sometimes in my life of faith, day after day, seeing Jacob wrestle with God seeing Jacob struggle, seeing Jacob strive and hold on and not let go until he gets that blessing. And in my faith, I can identify with that wrestle, with that struggle, with that striving. And I think the people of God are very well named. Israel struggles with God, wrestles with God, strives against God. And in the midst of our struggles and our, stri- our striving and our wrestling, where do we find God? Especially where we have a world that tells us, you don't need God, you have an iPhone. And the new one's coming out next year. You know, where, where is God in the midst of this? That is the question of faith. And this is where me not getting my way and me not being in charge and where me not having to have all the answers goes from being a struggle to being grace because we worship a king and the king is in charge and the king has a plan and the king has called us by name through the waters of baptism, called us not subjects but children, called us blessed, called us worthy makes us holy and calls us to do what God says.
And last year in LCY, we had a, we had a great we had a great one that went with that, do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. And this year's theme in LCY is set free and, or stand free. And I think of this, and what I, what I continue to come back to is I continue to pray over and ponder the, the theme that we have in youth this year and the way it applies to my life and our lives is that the place where I am able to stand free is in the freedom that I have to let God be in charge. The freedom that I have to know that God is on the job and that my king is doing the work that I pray my king will do. And so when I'm in the muck and I'm when, when I'm in the grief, when I'm wrestling, when I'm struggling, when I'm striving, the promise of God through the waters of baptism is that God is with me in that struggle. When I wonder how the world could ever survive whoever gets elected president, the, the promise of God is that whoever's president, God is standing there, and God is calling them by name too, whether they choose to hear it or not. The, the comfort that I take in my wrestling with God is that God has been wrestling with us for a long time, and God is equipped for that. And God can see our struggle, and God can see our pain, and God can see our strife, and God can see our doubt, and God can see those things that we just can't let go of and have patience until we learn to. Because in letting go of those things that we have to control, in letting go of those things that we cling to, we find a freedom and a hope and a joy that you seldom find when you're trying to control everything around you. So, what is the sound doctrine that we see this, this week as we look at our scriptures, as, as we look at our lives, as we look at our nation and our world? And sometimes in our, in our nation and our world, we see the narrative that we should be afraid and we should be holding on for dear life because someone's coming to take it from us. How do we reconcile that with the fact that God tells us to let it go? Faith is, and this is one of those no-dust statements, faith is not easy because it tells us to do things that are counterintuitive. But our challenge this week, as we go through our own wrestling with God, as, through our own struggles and our own striving, is how do we look at those places in our lives where we are clinging for dear life to those things that we just can't let go of and trust that God's got it and give up control? You know, how do we... How do we look at our own lives in those places where we're worried and we're convinced and we feel like we have to argue every point? Of course, I don't know anything about this. I'm assuming other people might. You know, and we, and we just can't let go of the argument. How do, we, how do we let go of the argument and work to bring peace in the places around us? And in those places where we're grieving and we think no light could ever shine, how in our own lives can we open up our hearts so that God's light can shine into our lives and show us that, yes, we can breathe again. And yes, we will continue to be sad, but the sun will shine. And God is where God has always promised to be, beside us, before us, and making a way for us. And how it is that, that we as a congregation here in Graniteville can shine that light into a community that needs so much to hear that there is a place for the people here too, 
that the God who makes us free makes them free, that the God who feeds us feeds them, that the God who promises us new life is promising them new life, and carry that life out as a light shining before us so that they are able to see it in the things that we say and the things that we do in the words that we speak and in the songs that we sing and the way that we shape our hopes and our dreams and our relationships, how is it that we are living into the call of our King who orders our steps and orders our words and orders our deeds? This week, as we continue to struggle, how is it that we are living out the call of our King to change the world in a way that makes God's kingdom come a little bit closer and so that people can see that kingdom more closely through our own lives. Amen.